Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today we're back with two shorts. It's been about three years since we last did this. Okay, three years. It's time cool. to tap back in. Tapping in. We got a lot of new lingo, a lot of new... Uh, a lot of new social media formats, a lot of new artists out, a lot of new shit. Things three are changing. Years. If you were to just think off the top of your head what has changed the most in your life in the last three years, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? Um, female rappers. That was literally the first thing that we talked about on the last interview. <laughs> Which I don't think there's anything wrong with that because that, that frontier has certainly changed. Damn right. And I love it. I love it. It's, it's long overdue. It's something that I have been an advocate for, which is females talking shit mm. long before it was really, I'm not going to say popular, but long before it was like done by so many females. Mm. And it's just shit talking, you know, you could, they're trying to categorize it and stuff and say it's, it's uh, hooker shit or stripper shit. It's just shit talking, man. It's funny because you kind of predicted the future because in that interview three years ago, you said if I was a female rapper, I would be damn near butt naked in my videos, et cetera. And then now we have WAP. <laughs> you called it. You called it for sure. <laughs> I don't think I called anything genius. I just saw something that there was a, a space for it, you know, mm. and people were not either you know it's just not doing it or being talked out of it but there was a space for it just super sexy i mean guys mm -hmm. in the male rap world we all we went way over the edge of whatever the fuck long time ago so take it to all boundaries it's, it's, it's one of my hip-hop things that i really love about hip-hop is that we get in our little boxes and and we think that we become you know hip-hop authoritarians or whatever the fucking word is and we fucking think we know it all at some point and then bam it just goes that way it goes that way and you can't predict the next wave you can't say what's good and what's not what people are gonna like it's the, it's the shit yeah and i mean let's be real sex is the easiest thing to sell in the world to expect some large percentage of women to not want to utilize it when it's the easiest way to make their shit move to make some mm -hmm. money when it's the number one thing that people want to see it's, it seems like an almost impossible ask uh yeah and um it's not just sex. It's like, the, you know, the, the low bearing fruit, violence and shit like that. Con right. Controversy. All that shit sells. I mean, we, we you just got to sit around on the sidelines long enough to realize, oh, shit, if I do this, I can get in the game. I feel like in hip hop, this whole, um, you know, trying to fast track it and shit just to, to whatever you want to get to the, fa the quick way. I think like the online beefs, the social media beefs that you just come out of nowhere. Like, man, fuck that dude. Oh, fuck his whole crew. Fuck your whole side of town. Mm. That shit is partially people just trying to go for some clickbait, trying to get some, you know, some free publicity and shit. And it works mm. from time to time. It works. Start a little beef online. Go back and forth. Now we all paying attention, trying to see who's talking the most shit or who's making the craziest videos. But now the long version of that is death on top of death on top of death. Starting these fucking beefs that jump offline. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I'm, I'm saying this shit because I was just talking to a young artist yesterday and I'm, and I just was being a little funny. And I'm like, 
it's dangerous to be a rapper now. Mm. And the motherfucker was like, it is. <laughs> and, and, and it, you know, it just is. It really is. Oh, yeah. Like, whoever would have thought, like, hip-hop is almost like, it's almost like a, a gangster, like, like choosing to be a gangster. Right, like, because I, I work out, and my personal trainer is from Iran. He knows nothing about hip-hop, so I'm, like, kind of always explaining songs and artists to him. And it's kind of shocking, like, how often I have to basically be like, yeah, this song is basically about how this other guy allegedly killed his friend and he wants to say basically that he's going to kill him back and yada, yada, yada. And it's pretty crazy because, like, coming from the world that you come from, there was, like, a big wall between rap and the streets. And now it's, like, it's so easy to push rap when you intermingle it with the streets that a lot of people just can't resist. I mean, it was... Where I'm from, the the world I come from, it was really close. Mm. wasn't much of a wall, but there was a a wall, so to speak, that certain things are not mentioned, and certain you don't bring certain parts of the street into the industry, not willingly and shit. And you just kind of leave that shit alone, like um, like even with um, <clears throat> a lot of early, you know, '80s, '90s uh, L.A. rappers. Mm. You know, a lot of rappers are affiliated with their neighborhood. They're from somewhere. But you didn't get a lot of a, a lot of guys, you know, saying, I'm from such and such, and fuck them over there. And fuck, it, it just would have added to a lot of shit. And it was almost like um, it wasn't like out of fear or any reason like that. It was just because it was unnecessary friction mm. to sit there and advertise and fan the flames of, of some enemy shit or something. And, and hip-hop is such a loud voice. That's... Like, if you fucking make these diss songs like that, that get real life shit, not a diss in the form of traditional hip hop, but this now diss mm. of fuck your dead homies, that shit is real. Definitely. And, you know, that's one thing that uh, we've had conversations about recently, which is that, you know, when you look at the NorCal rap scene, there's a shitload of rappers who are basically famous for taking their issues with different people in the streets and just airing it out in records and they can get a couple million views off of that shit. And, you know, the the, the Internet feeds upon it. L.A., it feels like there's a lot less of that. And I think part of it is because there's just such more of like a an, an order amongst street stuff, gang related stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't really seem to happen as much up north how interested are you in observing that style of rap? They call it drill in a lot of other places, but NorCal's yeah, um, been doing it for so long, they don't call it drill. I really don't, in my following of this and in my knowledge of it, I don't really pinpoint it in any area like it's only in Chicago mm. or it's prevalent in the Bay, whatever. I really like, there's a lot of rappers that aren't on our radar who are, you know, they're in the streets, they're there. And they're rapping this shit for their homies against the other homies, whatever. It's like rappers that never get to, to our 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 um, you know, awareness. They're, they're not on our radar at all, mm-hmm. and they fucking get murdered. And the only reason I know this shit because I've watched little crazy ass shit like clips on YouTube about um, rappers that got killed in 2018, 2019, 2020. It's like a little fucking show, like a little show is where it shows you um. You see, like, the rapper's song, maybe even the diss song he made about somebody else, and he tell you a little backstory real quick, mm-hmm. and then tell you how he got murdered. YouTube, very good at sort of compiling all this information And you watch together. one of these little clips, and you're like, well, I've heard of, like, it's like 25 rappers. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I heard of three of these motherfuckers, but 
It's 22 hopeful MCs that didn't make it through the fucking year. Mm. Just on some street shit. Just on, you know, just with the homies, whatever. The same way I came up. But like I said, the wall that was there was keep that street shit, street shit. You know, we the music shit was like, it looked on like a positive thing. Like, we're trying to get one of our homies on so that... We get some legitimacy to this fucking thing we got, you know? But you are in the business of working with artists and signing artists and whatnot. If you saw an artist right now uh-huh. and he's getting a million views of video and, you, you know, he's somebody that wants to work with you, is thinking about signing to you, whatever. How, how do you feel when you see him talking about smoking somebody's homies or talking about such and such drive by that happened, yada, yada? Like, in your mind, is that uh-huh. just too much risk to take on as part of your organization, knowing that this guy's a target? I fuck with street dudes, man, and I really don't. I don't judge the the quality of your music based on how deep you are in the streets, or whatever. I just think that a lot of that realness that we want from an MC comes from that lifestyle, mm-hmm. not necessarily being a gangster, but just just coming from coming from nothing and, and turning it into something. That shit is just it just makes for like good writing and good fucking music and good passion and shit. So I uh, I don't try to preach to the homies and I can tell you from experience from just being in the game a long time as you're in the streets by not by choice just by that's your circumstances that's where you're at and you are a really good writer and a really good rapper and you make beats and you and you know you got something but you're in the streets Mm. you might be participating on whatever level you in the streets usually it doesn't work out in the long run if you can't Find a way to separate your street life from your music life. If you can't personally, not not the homies, not the hood, whatever, just you. If you can't find it, find that balance of where you're supposed to exist, it usually doesn't really work out. Mm. Like you get two, three years into it, guys building a, a nice career. It takes takes fucking five, six, seven years to get on and like just grinding, grinding. Like fucking going to college and getting a master's degree, ask most rappers, take about eight years, mm. ten years to get your shit cracking from when you dreamed it and when you're living it. So in the meantime, during that process, a guy's getting some really good momentum, and what happens? He gets killed. What happens? He gets locked up. What happens? He gets some kind of fucking situation where along the way you just can't make the fucking journey. And it's a lot of times it's related to your street activity. So I don't know, man. It's really hard to separate from that. In a lot of cases, I would have to say my case and probably a lot of others, there's a little bit of luck in there. Mm. A little bit of luck, a little bit of time, and a little bit of of right place at the right time as opposed to wrong place at the wrong time, mm. which it could fuck a Man, that puts you way off course. I mean, we have a bizarre expectation for rappers now where, you know, like I watched the video of uh, King Vaughn being involved in this, this situation that led to his passing, and it's mm-hmm. like it's a big part of me that was just like, fuck like why would why did King Von even have to be in this place why did he even put himself in that environment I wish that King Von had just stayed in the in the mansion in the Airbnb security mm-hmm. people want to fuck with you they can come to you but that's kind of a crazy thing to expect of rappers that they're going to completely remove themselves from all social situations and being around people but that is kind of what happens like I was talking with the Ben Baller about Dr. Dre and Eminem the other day and about like just being at some house party with them back in the day and some crazy shit happening. And I'm like, you know, once these guys get to a certain level of fame, they just don't be out at a house party. They just they choose to remove themselves I, from I all risk like that. As a young guy, I was at all times in a very Oakland, East Oakland, potentially violent environment where 
the people I'm with, the people we coming in contact with, the shit could just it just it just was some young wild shit. Mm. And before we would go to an event, so I'm, at first I'm just a little homie. I'm just trying to get on the mic and, and bust rhymes. Mm -hmm. Then I start popping, and the homies, you know, everybody was pretty much trying to do some street shit. And the homies, you know, a couple of the homies is like smart. They're like, well, look, you get this shit getting on with you. you. We need to make sure you keep doing this. Just like we got a homie who's looks like he's going to NBA. Mm -hmm. You, you, your, your gangster ass will try so hard to keep him legit because it, it's a part of you. And the same thing goes with, you know, any sport or even academics. You got mm -hmm. a little smart kid and he's getting an academic scholarship and you're like, bro, stay on course. We need you to be a lawyer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you try so hard to get the one homie out. That's how it was with me. And I just think that in those situations, because you said the first thing you thought was, why was he, why was he there? Why didn't he stay home? Like, we, we out here. That's what we do. We're mm -hmm. not going. I'm not staying fucking home. But before we would go to an event and we knowing we got straps with us. It's going to be so many other motherfuckers with straps. Motherfuckers going to have more straps in the motherfucking car. But motherfuckers going to try to sneak as many as they can in. And it's, you just know. You just have to assume they're in here. They're out there. It's a lot of fucking firepower where we're going mm. and where we're at. So my guys will always, like, come to the place with a plan. The plan is we're going to try to get this in there just like this. This is how we're going to do it. Uh all night, I want y'all to, when we when we get the things in, we got to get at least two things in. One of y'all stand on short and just kind of shadow him with the thing. The other one, you know how we know how we move around. The other one's going to be in such and such car. When we get there, you you be, you go off this way and kind of like act like you're not with us and just kind of watch the crew. You, if anything jumps off, immediately run to the, don't even fucking look. You go to the car. Don't fight. Go to the car. Get more things, take whoever with you. As soon as it jump off, you two walk short the fuck that way, go to that car. We think about this shit before we get to the thing. Wow. And we get up in there and it's like, if we're not involved, everybody uh, look for each other, back up to the wall, you know, and just kind of like see who it is and then and then react. All mm -hmm. kind of shit. Like it's it's like multiple plans, and we're not planning this shit to be the baddest motherfuckers in the world. We're just planning shit to get home. Mm. This is all like, bro, we going in this shit, it's gonna be wild. We all coming home. So it's interesting that you guys are even paying that much attention at that time to the risk because I feel like a lot of people just go to the club, guns on them. They we just had assume. a couple of homies in the crew that was like, hey, y'all, we about to, you know, let's get home. Right. And I always would say that shit. If we go far or we go a few or we go many, or like, let's get everybody home. And that's, that was just a thing, bro. It wasn't even about let's beat the fuck out of these motherfuckers. It was like, we going home. Mm. So you're going to, of course, you're going in to win, whatever the fuck the situation is, but Getting home is very fucking important. Not leaving somebody on the fucking ground, or it just was a thing you got to think through. And I've I've been saying this shit lately because it's bothering me. I keep saying to the rappers and they homies, protect the bag, mm -hmm. the legitimate bag. I mean, you're gonna protect all the bags, but the legitimate one, keep that motherfucker because that shit opens up doors and takes you places and. Other little homies that smart in the hood, they might get on and, and be able to work with the the homie in the legitimate hustle. You know what I'm saying? Whatever the fuck, like like think that shit through. That that juice card that I don't want to say no names, you know, so and so rapper. That juice card that he got to get in the fucking Grammys and the goddamn you know private jets and the VIP parties. That's that's a fun thing to live. Mm. We don't want that motherfucker sitting in jail for three years come out may may not even be hot when he comes home. We don't want that motherfucker dead at a funeral. Right. We want that motherfucker like 
uh, the president of the USA with a fucking Secret Service detail. But did it occur to you back then just of how fucked up it was that you had made it, you had like become successful at the thing that you had wanted to always do, and then all of a sudden you're still in these environments where you just are constantly dealing with this threat of violence. It's a choice. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people think back, a lot of people get to that point where you come from that and you get to a certain level and you get the far as fucked away as you can from that shit. Mm-hmm. Some people do that. Like if you become a movie star. You get gated. Gated house, you get fucking, you know, it, it could be out of necessity for, like, protection and survival, but it could be just because that's what you strive for. Mm-hmm. Other motherfuckers, no matter what level they get to, they never stop going back to where they came from. They never leave the people that were in there when they were, were not big. You know what I'm saying? You keep those lifelong friends. I'm one of those people with the lifelong friends, mm-hmm. but you got to know how to navigate the waters, man. You can't. I never jumped on a jet, and my homies, we, like, going to do some legitimate shit on the jet and the motherfuckers is doing crime like big time smuggling and some shit while we doing legitimate shit we're not mixing that shit man mm. we're not we're just not we're just not we're protecting the bag yeah no i hear it but i mean you know what the the biggest difference nowadays is that back in the day if an artist wanted to you know you know prov- say something provocative about some street shit you had the media companies, you know, you had the source who were going to kind of stand in the way of whatever you wanted to say. You had the label, which is maybe at a certain point going to say, like, nah, we don't we don't want you to say this on your record. Now everybody is their own media company. Everybody can hop on Instagram Live and say whatever the fuck they want. And that just, like, causes the, the, the pace of these beefs to, to increase so much. And it also just allows there to be no... Like, you see rappers post stuff all the time and then delete it right away. And that's Also added to that is the... Um the true, the true factor of being vouched for or having to just, you can't, you can't really get away with it. They're not really gonna elevate you talking the shit you talking if there's not some kind of chatter out there mm. that oh yeah that's really him he do that shit. So it's a lot of I'm going to prove to you I'm that guy. And in, in the subject of the song is sort of kind of gangster criminal at nature. And you start, you got to prove this shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like before. Uh, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, let's just take me for example. I have not pimped on a lot of hoes in my life. Mm. I'm from Oakland, California. I talk a lot of pimp shit from day one. A lot of pimp homies, a lot of pimp environment, a lot of real shit. The shit I say is really real shit. But every too short story I ever told you was not a too short story. Right. It might have been about my homie. It might have been about some legendary shit. It might have been a, a true story that was dressed up a little bit. It just was music. And it was pimp music. So... I wasn't held accountable if uh, out of a 25-year career, I was actually pimping on hoes for two years, and the other 23, I was not. And I was hanging around pimps who really were. They were not going, get your fake ass away from me. You ain't no real pimp. It was like I'm representing the culture. Mm. And uh, I don't think that that same thing could happen right now because you got to, like, be it. You know what Mm. I mean? They'd be like, man, too straight ain't no fucking pimp or some shit like that. Mm. And it would... 
it would make the music not valid because I'm not at the same time incriminating myself saying I'm pimping and pandering and human trafficking and shit in a song and then actually doing it at the same time where I got to go to prison mm. to prove myself. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I can think Fuck of that. I can think of rappers who are like coming out right now who talk a lot of crazy ass gangster shit and are quite obviously like not about it. And it's like the audience is very, very good at picking it out because they can fucking tell when somebody ain't really with but shit. But these criminal incriminating interviews are a thing now too. Right. The fuck, yo? You think like, that's a problem? I think it's an individual problem that you are proud to prove to social media that you are really the guy that you're describing. You have to prove to these motherfuckers. You, should, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody ever. Mm. You could be the richest motherfucker who dressed like a bum every day, and when they call you bum, <laughs> who cares? Mm. The fuck, yo? you like, motherfucker, I drive a raggedy-ass car and dress raggedy every day and go home to the flyest fucking house. That's the life I want to live. And I actually know somebody who does that. Mm. And... Never, never seen a motherfucker anything other than happy. Drive around a beat up ass truck, regular ass fucking clothes, house fly as fuck, and just that's what matters. Do you ever think about how nice it would be to just have the money and not the fame? I think about what if that was more popular? Because mm. <laughs> uh, I think what happened to me was I was famous and broke. Mm. I was street famous from fucking selling tapes in the streets and. You know, I hadn't even got my weight up to where I could get my first car yet, and I was too short. Was famous. I was too short. Was so fucking famous that most of the time, when somebody said that's too short, somebody else said no, it's not. <laughs> like that's how fucking famous I was. I, I'm like, and I accepted the fact that I was not as popular as too short, but I am him. Right. And I tried to catch up with that shit with the you know somewhere in life. And that's crazy that that used to be a thing that could could happen that a rapper's identity could be so much bigger than them like now it's kind of tied like you couldn't really because social media yeah. you got the pictures and shit but it wasn't no, <laughs> i had no fucking instagram right no shit we all know people though or people who like seem like they're doing pretty well for themselves and they're low-key but that that's the interesting thing about rap is that that's not really celebrated whereas if you were to look at like you know people in the political world the corporate world etc it's very very you know they're not as uh, thirsty for fame as we've kind of been uh, taught is normal yeah they're not thirsty for bragging about mm. uh, wealth either right you know what i mean it's like they just acquire it and kind of just keep on doing the things you want to do in your life so uh i think that um uh you gotta gotta get a little controversial in in your take on what this is mine I look at mine in a tribal kind of way, like fucking, um, I think back to like some shit where I'm a fucking uh, tribe member in an African tribe long before uh, Africans were any kind of, you know, slaves or anything. And in my natural culture, I want to get a bunch of fucking tattoos, a bunch of fucking piercings. And each time I get one of these markings or one of these things, it's because I did something to something more fucking brave or something, you know, where I earned it. And then I start acquiring things like property, like goats and shit. And I'm trying to like, you know, the chief of the tribe has the fucking baddest fucking finest daughter. Same thing in a fucking Native American kind of mm -hmm. kind of setting. And I'm trying to like, you know, work my way up to, to be a chief or be a fucking leader in the tribe. And I step to the chief and I'm like, I want your daughter. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, who am I at that time? I'm fucking, I got to come in that motherfucker looking like some shit, with some shit. I got to be fly. Right. So I'm working to be flyer than all you motherfuckers to get status. And I just think that that shit never went away. Like that showing off of getting more 
tribal tats or getting more fucking piercings or whatever the fuck uh, uh, thing you do to your fucking ears or your mouth or your nose. It's just some shit that, that puts you above. You earn it and you wear it as a badge of honor. I think that's embedded in the DNA of a lot of what hip-hop is and a lot of what inner-city culture is. You're like, I'm about to get a Cadillac and put all the fucking fringes on that motherfucker, everything gold, <laughs> everything fucking plush, and just let everybody see it. It's just, it's culturally. But I think the ultimate aspiration is to be so clearly successful at what you do that you don't really need to flex or, or stunt and that's kind of a crazy thing about being in the position you're in you're too short it's mm-hmm. like your name just carries weight because of the things you've done throughout your life to the point where you having a new gucci sweatsuit every day is just it, it doesn't really matter it might be cool i guess but when like, i was young money we've we we've rushed and bought uh all gold jewelry Mm. Like you can't get You gotta have diamonds on that shit Okay give me all fucking diamonds And that fake ass shit is fake You gotta get like Some name brand shit Give me all Rolex shit Like (laughs) you know what I mean Went from a fucking Cadillac To a goddamn BMW To a motherfucking Mercedes You know like like, And You know what I'm saying Like you just Stereotypically Go through that phase And I really I don't knock anybody i don't care who the fuck you are but a young rapper especially i do not knock you for uh earning that shit and then flossing that shit it's sort of like a fucking rite of passage that you gotta do but you know nobody's really gonna tell you when you're young that's a big fucking mistake Mm. it's too much fucking fun you know what i mean but later on you figure it out if you get a long career you got time to work it out if it's just if it's just a flyby career you're going to look at in the driveway and see that fucking beat down four-year-old Mercedes and the fucking, you know, everything getting old and the chicks getting. I uh, <laughs> I can think of an artist who was popping about maybe four years ago who got an advance from a very famous rapper and uh, I believe spent it all in one day in one trip to the mall at the Gucci store and the jewelry shop. and uh, Never with, got another bag. Oh, no, no, no. Within... You know, a month. He's completely broke, and within a year, I'm hearing stories about him doing, you know, industry robberies, like robbing, robbing cameramen. You know, like taking the cameraman's fucking shit, which is a pretty, that's a pretty barbaric crime, if you ask me, because the cameraman obviously ain't about shit. He he did not come here ready to defend himself. <laughs> and that that's that's grimy, man. Uh, the it's whole not. Advance. It's not grimy if you took the cameraman's shit mm. to shoot videos and try to get yourself back in the game because you just didn't have a budget anymore to shoot videos, and you needed that shit. Mm. That's that's necessity. But yeah. if you took it to just sell the shit and get some pocket change, that's pretty grimy. Yeah, and the crazy thing about the situation I'm referring to, and hopefully nobody knows who I'm talking about, but that another rapper. His video was still on the camera. Hey. So then he had to negotiate <laughs> with the other rapper who took it I in love it. order to get his own video off of the camera. I'm not sure if it ever worked The only out. thing that would make that story better if there was, like, some opioids involved. That is certainly a possibility. <laughs> if he throws some opioids in there, I'm like, I love this story. Mm. And that's that there is a problem with me also. What, opi- you have an opioid problem? No. <laughs> I kidding. do not have that problem. <laughs> I um I was schooled by pimps at a young age who told me uh don't go that route and it uh it comes in many forms but it's never never go that route and 
Also, you know, if you look at rock and roll, it seems to have some sort of creative thing that makes genius in music. I don't know if it's playing a large part in music right now, but it, there's something in that thing that I stayed away from and stand away from forever. But, you know, to each his own. Staying but away from I, The reason why I say it's a problem is the, the overdoses and the mixture and the, and the not learning how to do your drugs. Right. But these days it's infinitely harder because you're just going to get served some fentanyl and you're going to be immediately ingesting like a hundred times I said, times knowing worse. how to do your drugs right. is knowing you're a fucking drug dealer. Mm. You know what I mean? Like knowing how to get what from who and it be the real shit. So, you know, I, I was, um, I'm a connoisseur over the years. Not so much these days, but over the years, a connoisseur of intoxication mm-hmm. and... I've really, the one thing I wanted to try that I never got to fucking try was DMT. I really wanted to take that route. I bought it. I went and did the whole research on how to administer it, who you get, what you do. And I just never took the leap. Uh, I bought it for, not for intoxicating purposes. I wanted to see where it took you. Mm. You know, because the the experiences that people describe, I wanted to fucking see where it took me. Right. But I didn't do it. Still open for it, but at the same time, I hadn't done it yet. But opioids, man, I... I'm enjoying life too much to mix that into what else the other shit I'm doing. I don't think it's gonna mix. Yeah, if I if I took a Xanax right now, I'm gonna be tearing up Popeyes. I'm gonna be buying multiple pints of ice cream. Like it'll ruin my life in various ways. But that's at least one of them. I wonder do people who first indulge in these, you know, these name fucking uh the the sip and syrup and all this shit. Do people, before they indulge for the first time, do they really know that they're, like, indulging in heroin's first cousin or kids or whatever the fuck, like, mm. heroin's family, you know? I think most people, like, you go through a phase in your life where you're just taking drugs, but you can't really afford a lot of drugs. And mm-hmm. that's when it really becomes a problem is when all of a sudden you hit a lick or you become a rapper or something goes well for yourself. And now you can infor- you can afford infinity drugs. And you just have no, like, throttling mechanism to stop you from taking that to its logical conclusion. Once you start sipping syrup, the kick in the the habit of it is very similar to trying Mm. to get off heroin. Like, it's got to get fucking sick and go through shit. And it's like, it's the same shit, man. The supply and demand with lean is so bizarre these days because people just are charging such insane amounts because it's so hard to get. But it's it's actually a very low-level opiate. And if you are willing to, you know, shoot up heroin you could get the exact same effect and a much much lower price point which again i wouldn't recommend anybody do but it just says a lot about the fact that lean is such a designer drug that that image that that taste is such a big part of it my experience uh my bad experience was a motorcycle crash fucked up my big toe enough to where i needed surgery had the surgery and they gave me the mm. oxycodone what is it oxys whatever the fuck right they give me this shit and the first night <laughs> after the surgery it's one of those surgery you get the surgery and go home same day so the first night i wake up at like fucking four or five in the morning and it's my toe Whatever happened at the surgery, whatever medication wore off, and this motherfucker feels like they're inside my toe digging it out. I rush and grab those painkillers, take one, go to sleep, wake up. Same thing when I wake up, toe is killing me. So I wake up like the next afternoon, and toe is killing me. So I take the pill, and I'm like, blink of an eye, it's 7 p.m. And I fucking, um, same thing. I take the pill again, blink of an eye, it's like two in the morning. I'm like, what the fuck? Like mm. I'm I'm like from the first time I did it in the middle of the night to like it's going by that fucking fast. 
So I did this shit for one day, and I'm like, this ain't cool. Like, I'm literally in pain from a surgery, and I go, I can't take this shit. Mm. And I fucking just, I mean, I can't take these pills. I could take the fucking pain. I just fucking rode this shit out, man. And I gave them pills to somebody else. I couldn't fucking do that. And I'm, I'm, I don't know what that shit does to you, but to me, if if you flash and three, four hours go by, and you're like, where the fuck am I? What the fuck have I been doing? I don't want that goddamn drug. Mm, but at least you had that instinct. You know, there's a lot of people. Get hooked. Yeah, you, you take a Xanax one time, it feels good. You're like, well, why would I not keep doing this every day? But a lot of young people <laughs> don't have the life experience to have known somebody who's a fucking zombie from that shit. Man. So, yeah, that's, that's just my uh, my problem is not the experience of it or the way it makes you feel or you, you being in control of it and, and handling it. It's just, it's just the mixing and the OD, man. And, we, mm. and that added to, like, I know it's a very morbid conversation we're having, but <laughs> added to the fucking violence that's in hip-hop, that shit is that shit is depressing, man. It's depressing because we, we mourned the fuck out of Biggie and Tupac for so fucking long. We still ain't stopped mourning the motherfuckers. And, and outside of continuously holding up their legacy, we, like, deep inside you wish you would have got three, Biggie, three more Biggie albums or five more Tupac movies and a couple more albums. Like, you just wonder all the time, what would that have been? Mm. And this is like, I can't even fucking mourn enough for all the rappers we lose, all the talent that's dying young. It's too much to keep in the, <laughs> in the you know, it's too much to just fucking process, man. Like, we're losing a lot of what ifs. When Pac and Biggie died, I always, you know, I was fairly young, but I always hear about how the industry really reacted in a very strong way where all of a sudden, you know, they weren't as, the labels weren't as eager to put as much violent content on records. All of a sudden, you couldn't have a gun on a magazine or an album cover or anything like that, which mm -hmm. was previously sort of normal. Um, and now it feels like, you know, we've lost a ton of rappers even in the last year, and it's, you know, it feels like people are too numb to it to even try to really initiate some sort of change and say, hey, uh, all this violent shit isn't cool, all this whatever isn't cool. Hey, 40 Water in the building, how you feeling, man? Yeah, yeah. What's up, bro? Oh, I was gonna tell you. Okay, when you get in there, just let me know, cause I gotta have Mickey send the session file for the other piece I did, the other part to the uh, to the locked in record. About hour, about hour. It's good. My bad, man. Sorry. About that. <laughs> All right, nigga. <laughs> Amazing. So that's a very, very real friendship for you guys. Did, did, yeah, it, did it get a little stronger through the versus battle, or nah, was it all? Same, it's always been same, like this. Same shit, man. Same shit. Way, way back. We weren't even. Long before we ever made a song together, it was the same friendship. Right. Like, that's that's how we got to the point where we made a song. Some right. crazy shit happened, and the radio station wanted us to, like, hate each other. It was right. like, man, let's make music. Fuck that. It's got to be rough to follow up on versus the Gucci and Jeezy one, which obviously, like, a certain percentage of people are just going to tune in because they know that these guys really had issues. With you and 40, it's like people know that you guys are guys that get it along. It was easy what we did, man, because we like, we like, what would you do? What would you do? Like, man, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go in there battling. I go in that motherfucking like we, we looked at verses. We looked at every verses mm. and said we studied the shit. What did they all do? Everybody went in there with a strategic plan to win. Mm. We like nobody ever just stopped and just said fucking do a show. Mm. We, we we jacked the platform and put on a fucking concert in the middle of fucking Christmas vacation. Mm. Ain't nobody going no goddamn where. And we also made it educational. We made it fun as fucking. We like. We just used the platform to do it Bay Area style. Like, what the fuck? What would, you know? 
I don't expect anybody else to do what we did with that platform because I don't think that's really what it's for. Mm. But if you give it to E40 and Two Show and say, do what y'all want to do, that's that's what you get. Was, we, there, was there anyone else you could have imagined yourself being up there with or was 40 just the only logical choice? Yeah, no, nah, it wouldn't have worked. Anybody else, it, I would have probably had to do the so-called battle format. Right. But we just, we had a fucking ball, like literally. And it could go back and watch it again. I promise you, look at the fucking show. We were battling. Mm. It was definitely a fucking battle. But it wasn't like we give a fuck who cares what you say who won. Or I don't give a fuck if I won or because we like battling like almost like team members against each other. But, yeah, definitely we was trying to outshine each other. Like it wasn't that's automatic. Right. But like, you know. I listened to uh, the Joe Budden podcast when they talked about it, and they're sort of going back and forth, song by song, trying to figure out who won each round. <laughs> Too short and E40? Yeah. Wow. Well, I've heard them do that about a lot of battles. I'm not sure how in-depth they went with I never heard anybody analyze ours. I would love to hear that. But that's interesting. Like, How much do you care about, like, when you're going into that, how much do you care about like winning or, or anything like that? Like, Are you going to play a song that you don't particularly care about because you feel like the audience is going to respond a little bit better? Man, I'm the guy who loves... Uh, social media negative comments about me. I love this shit because the shit is mostly funny. Mm. And whether it's true or not, it's just entertainment. It's like, like that that shit is amazing. I I love, I love like just going to like Instagram or something. And like they said, there's like a picture of this cute baby. And it's like, comment one, that's a cute baby. Comment two, oh, look at that little outfit. Comment three, Hair's cute. Comment four, that baby got funny ears. <laughs> and then from that point, it goes about three more comments about the baby, and then it goes, fuck you, you probably support Trump. And I, lo- <laughs> I love that shit, man. I love it. Yeah, I, I have a three-month-old now all of a sudden, <laughs> and, and that has been a weird thing to get used to. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to block some, you know, maybe a dozen people every time I post my baby because somebody's going to feel the need to try to get some jokes off. <laughs> that feels but, weird. But... I don't know, man. You, you kind of, if you got, if you have it in you, it's entertainment. Hmm. These motherfuckers make these comments, and they have like uh, three followers, and it's like some some profile they made up this morning just to get online and talk bad about people. I love it. I love. I think it's a stupid ass way to use the platform just hmm. with this fucking hate shit and this fucking criticism, judgmental shit, dumb as fuck. But you know that's what we're doing right now. Just don't be the guy because it's a stereotypical older dude thing to just really get in there and just be arguing with everybody who has anything. Not me. Negative. Yeah, I know you don't do it, but that's like. There's certain people in the game who do that way too much, and I'm like, bro, you are elevating Even your trolls you so much. Even if you agree with them, they're still going to massacre you. Right. <laughs> but it's just by elevating your trolls to the point of, like, thinking that they're deserving of a response, that's just a it's, – it's not a good standard to set. Yep. Uh, you can't win. They're slaying it. What's the saying? It can't beat the internet? You can't. It's, yeah. As soon as you go against one person, it's you against the whole internet. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, another interesting thing in life right now. Yeah. The comments, love it. That's a fact. What? So, from your perspective, when you do something like the versus battle, you also have to figure out how you're gonna. You know, obviously, you get a check, but you're gonna f- figure out how to monetize it in the long run. So then, you mm-hmm. and Forty put out another album together. Was that kind of a immediate thought? It was like, all right, we're gonna put out something to to monetize this. We thought about the the, the fact of doing that separately. And we caught wind that each one of us was doing it. Mm. And like, oh, you dropping an uh, album? 
he was dropping his the night before. I was going to drop mine the day of. And he's like, yeah, the night before, blah, blah. I'm like, that's a damn good idea. Drop it the night before. And then it was like, thought about it. Two days went by, a couple days went by. Like, hey, you know, it'd be cool if uh, we drop it on the same day. We should hire a PR and have them work both projects at the same time. Mm. Like, yeah, good ass idea. And go have on the PR instead of like, you buy yours, I buy mine. And then he called back a couple of days later and was like, you know, so I don't know, everybody, the team members, I don't know, somebody's like, well, damn, we might as well just bundle the albums together. Mm. Hey, hey, that's a damn good idea, too. <laughs> you know, shit. It was not anything pre-planned or shit. It just kind of, like, made sense. Right. Was it odd? I feel like a lot of people might have, uh, you know, younger fans and stuff, they might have been encountering the Too Short catalog uh, for the first time. You encounter much of that, of, like, sort of people seeing you with their fresh, brand-new eyes at all? I know the the word that I got is because quarantine, you know, families at the house. A lot of mothers kind of, I don't, I don't want to say freaked out their kids, but kind of like, you know, know the words to two short songs and mm. two short songs are very, and E-40 songs too. And moms and dads kind of showed a different side to their kids. They're like, didn't know that was you, parents. <laughs> and they, you can't hold back. If mm. you're like a true fan, you can't hold back and... And, you know, hey, your mama used to be young one day, man. You kind of accept that she was about that life. If I found out today that my girl knew the words to multiple Too Short albums, I'd, I would be like, what What were you doing at that point in your life that this was, you know, because, like, sometimes you'll see, like, a girl who's clearly a stripper <laughs> in public, and she's singing along to these songs, and you're like, oh, yes, sis, I know you're a stripper because you know the words to all these songs. But not, like, some fucking uh, dental hygiene assistant fucking... I got like a lot of uh, professional female fans too, fucking like doctors and lawyers who just into that shit. It's it's a um, it comes from maybe like high school or college or something, and then then and then it goes to you're in the professional world, but in your car you're always by yourself. I know mm -hmm. newscasters, all kind of motherfuckers, and like when I get in that car, and this is a, this is a normal thing with with fucking. I hate to call it ratchet hip hop, but I can't find a word right now that just describes it that you would automatically get it for hip-hop that makes you act ratchet mm. that shit is popular in uh in like private worlds of like i'm home alone i'm in my car by myself that shit is fucking popular and you get to the club on some random night and, and you notice like some chick who's not supposed to know knows all the fucking words to all the ratchet songs mm. that's her in the car life that's her traffic jam life that's her that's her shower life yeah <laughs> it makes sense. No, that was one thing I got from watching uh, our last interview was that you really talked a lot about how there's the, that value to staying in the clubs, strip clubs, how it really keep you in touch with, uh, you know, what the people want to hear musically, what mm -hmm. people are interested in hearing. And, the, and you know, automatically just off being older and having a kid now, I haven't been going out as much. But also for the past year, it's basically been very, very Nowhere few to opportunities to leave the house, <laughs> at least if you want to be safe. Uh, how has that affected you, and, and do you feel a little bit more out of the loop? Uh, last last summer, I did a lot of mixing and mingling, and I you know, kept as much normalcy going on, which was uh, up until that, that second wave, it mm. wasn't as much frowned upon. You know, like people like, oh, you out mixing and mingling? Are oh, you tripping? You tripping? It's quarantine. Like mm. a lot of motherfuckers was like, I'm still out there. I was still out there. If you live in Texas or Atlanta, it didn't really seem like anything changed. So then, when the second wave hit, which I really, in my world, it really hit home, like around Thanksgiving. 
I did my little shit, and it was just seeming like the world just got so fucking small with things to do and places to go and people who weren't all the way goddamn, you know, just fully quarantining. I was like, fuck it, man. I just fell back. And from, like, Thanksgiving up until shit, yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, literally, yesterday was the first time I really just went somewhere and just where people was at and shit. I just kind of, like, I just went into work mode, man. It's so easy for me to go into work mode even when it's not a fucking pandemic and just go for the next 60 days. I'm really just going to do things that work related just mm-hmm. because I know when you put in that kind of work in the trenches, it pays off later. So if I fucking like just spent the whole pandemic year in the trenches fucking making all kind of shit, I could go have a fun summer next year because I, I did the fucking work. I can probably take off three months and just just kick it. I've been working like that my whole life. I put in like 90 days of like some specific projects and I take 30 days of like, I'm going to be like a rock star and like I might call you back three hours later or I might not show up for my obligation or just I just get out there and rock star it out and then I get back on on the focus. Right. Do you feel like you're happier when you're working your ass off though? Because I'm the type of person I go on vacation and I enjoy it and it feels like, oh my God, I feel the stress leaving my body. But then at the same time, I feel like I'm more at home when I'm working my ass off and really grinding towards something. I don't even know what vacation is, bro. Like mm-hmm. I never, I never go anywhere exotic or vacation-y unless it's attached to a bag like really? work. Like I just, I don't know. It's always work with me. You gotta lay on the beach, just for a couple of days, man. I, I know you book a fucking show or mm-hmm. an engagement or an event on fucking Saturday, Sunday, and you leave on Wednesday. Right. If it's the right city. Well, you pay for the whole thing. And, I mean, obviously, that's that's convenient. If you got to negotiate as much as possible, that lingers, whatever. But what I tend to do is I give myself really good excuses. So I'm doing a show. Let's just pick Miami. Mm-hmm. I do a show in Miami on a Saturday, and I host a party on Tuesday. So I have to stay a few days. <laughs> mm. So you get to and relax. It, you get the multiple bags. Yeah, and I'm like, you go, we're going to add, we're going to. Do the, we're going to consider this as Tuesday pay for the trip and Saturday is just take home money. Mm. That's how we look at it. It makes sense. One, one more question I wanted to ask about the battle with 40, though, is how do you feel like you guys' rap styles match up? Because when watching the battle, it's, it is it stands out so much that you very much have like a, a more concrete rap style and his rap style is so fucking meandering and all over the place mm-hmm. and, and dipping and diving all over the beat. Like how, how do you, what are your thoughts on how well you guys mix together? And does, does he affect you if you're recording together? Have you guys recorded together? No, in we, memory? We've, we've recorded a lot of songs recently. We've recorded a lot of songs over the years. We recorded a double album together yeah. like 10 years ago, nine years ago, I don't know, something like that. And dozens of songs. We can't, we can't even get together. I don't think anybody, could tell you how many songs Too Short and E-40 recorded together. Mm. But the thing is, we don't, we don't, we do a critic, we, we critique each other if we're doing a song together or even not together. Mm. Might call and hear something be like, man, let's put that like that, like that, like giving each other like pointers that you might or might not do. But uh, when we're in the studio together, we're trying to make a dope ass song. So sometimes it could be the wording, the way you phrased it, the way you, delivered it I don't know the tone of your voice and we just kind of like make suggestions to each other because I trust his judgment vice versa and it makes the song better but the fact that the flow is so different doesn't really matter because every time we work on something there is this one 
undeniable goal that's going down. It's gonna be a dope song. That's we just that's automatic. Mm. But you have to spit game in the in the the definition of Bay Area game. You gotta spit game and then it's gotta make sense. So if he does these metaphors and tell you something, he still it's his, it's mandatory that he has to bring it around and it has it can't just be like a line for line slick shit to say. It actually has to go with the hook and the title and the, and it got to make sense in the E-40 way. And then it got to make sense in the two-shirt way, which mine is a little more basic delivery, get, get the game in detail, very specific to not wandering off of the game or making it so that you can't understand what I'm saying. And then his is like almost like like I'm shooting you with a 9 millimeter at point-blank range. Mm. He's fucking just like hitting you with a like some fully automatic Uzi that's just like, and it's sporadically fucking mm. shooting your earlobe and your neck and your fucking like it's you know what I'm saying but either way we're gonna kill you <laughs> definitely um but yeah when 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 you guys okay so is that something that sort of bothers you a little bit about other rappers is that in the whole era that we're in where nobody's really writing their verses out and everybody's punching in that the, there's this lack of cohesion in verses that can sometimes be really grating if you're a rap fan who sort of wants each verse to to make sense in a way. And if somebody's saying like, hey, I just sprayed up your block and I fucked your bitch and I live on the moon. And it's just and, like, what the I'm, fuck? And is, I'm high. Yeah, and I'm high for no reason. <laughs> also, I'm high. It's like, I wish that there was a theme or some kind of cohesion. Okay, so that rewinds back to what we said earlier. You're describing your hip hop. Mm. And as long as you keep wanting your hip hop, you leave a you leave a whole open thing for all this other shit that who gives a fuck about what your hip hop is, and if they like my version, super super fuck you. Mm. So, um, I like the shit that if you can make some stupid ass shit work, and I can call it stupid shit because that's my opinion. Mm. Man, that shit is dope. Mm. Like it's let's let's put let's put it in this perspective. All right, all of us in this room go to the studio. Who the fuck in this room can make a hit record? I would assume mo mostly just you. And to the people who know how to make a hit, I ask you, how easy is it to make a hit record? Because for some of us, it's easy as fuck. Mm. But for some of y'all, you sitting that motherfucker all day looking at the instruments and the machines, and you ain't, you ain't going to do shit. So I say that to say, respect the craft, man. Respect the craft. If you got a fucking record, because... I make really good music. I never, you know, I'm, I'm, my prime is past, but a billion streams is dope as fuck. Mm. So you're going to judge somebody who can get a billion fucking streams, 500 million fucking streams, and say, man, that shit's just whack. It's not whack. There's something in there. There are some ingredients that that person figured out how to cook up and touch people emotionally and make them like this fucking song. You're looking for the words. Something else is in there. Mm. There's something else cooking in there that's, that's better than the words. Mm. And... That's that kind of hip hop. But I feel like we went through an era where we kind of saw so much SoundCloud rap that didn't really have a lot to say. And then there was like a reaction to that where all of a sudden people seemed very turned off to people having no lyrical content. And all of a sudden the pendulum sort of swings back to people wanting to hear a little bit more in detail and wanted to make a little more sense. I'm never going to forget this quote. I don't know which rapper said it. it was a female rapper and she was being interviewed. I was It was a video clip and she said, I don't like smart rap. Mm. I don't even want to hear all that shit. Smart rap. I get it. 
Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I want to listen to music. I don't feel like fucking going to school while I listen to music to fucking decipher that slick ass metaphor. Some people don't. Mm. You might just want to fucking bounce to the shit and fucking have some rap rhythmic fucking, you know, chants going on. Fuck what the fuck is saying. I like a lot of songs that I really don't give a fuck what they're saying. Mm. I like a lot of songs that I never even stopped to figure out what it's saying. Right. Like Young Thug in particular. Like Young Thug has songs that you can figure out the shit he's saying. But some of that shit, some of them phrases, I don't give a fuck what he's saying. That's my shit. Right. And then somebody else goes, you can't hear it's the, they know every word. I'm like, I don't care that you, I don't know the words to two short songs. Shit. And you know, it's not just rap either, because when I think about it, my parents like turned me on to a shitload of rock music when I was that young. That you don't know what the fucking words are? I will <laughs> play somebody an old ass song. But and you make your own words up, and this shit is dope. Yes. And, and that is a really crazy thing to go through when you look <laughs> up the words to old rock songs, and you're like, Jesus Christ, I had no idea what this was about. Yeah, you were saying something about a butterfly, and they was talking about fucking getting hella high, like some other <laughs> way, other phrase that was popular then. Uh, it's um, like I'm saying, man, keep your hip hop in your box. Hmm. Be open to what's not in your box. You know, don't take the judge out of it. I know you might be in the business of judging. I don't know. I don't know. A little bit. But the business of judging is is a, what social media is. It's like, okay, show me what you got. Now I'm going to critique you. Mm. I don't like the way you pat that together. I don't like the way you are. I don't like, you know. And I'm in that whole celebrating shit. You know, I look at some shit. I look at a fucked up clip and find what's dope about it. Mm. Not what's shitty about it. That's just me. And the whole thing, too, though, is that if you want to last in the music industry, you have to accept at a certain point that the more you know, it kind of like stops your ability to judge what's hot. Because if you have 30 years of, of experience of listening to rap, you might have too analytical of a framework when you first hear a new song that's popular. Uh -huh. And you might think, it sounds exactly like Young Thug and this this beat, that cadence, it sounds exactly like this guy I heard 10 years ago, et cetera. And, uh -huh. and that right there is oftentimes kind of useless to in terms <laughs> of grading how commercially successful a song could be. Right, right, right. There's no, there's no gauge in, in logic. Mm. There is not kind of like being uh you know it's easy to be happy when you don't know shit and like when a 12 year old hears a rap song and they love it so much that they want to listen to it every day a hundred times you shouldn't take that lightly because <laughs> they, they know what they like and the chances are that their ears are a lot like a lot of their peers and then when they're through with the song like a year and a half later it's done here we go that's my jam yeah <laughs> that's a fact i mean do you ever think about why rap doesn't always seem eager to let its uh, legends it, it, it doesn't seem interested in allowing its legends to really prosper in the long term which is very different from you know in rock music where you're just you're used to the Rolling Stones being very significant even into their 70s and sometimes it feels like rap is almost set up to kind of close the door on our legends it's like the streets mm. You know, a street legend is a story to tell, street legendary, but you got to get the fuck off this corner because the new motherfuckers is taking over now. And a lot of people hang out in that corner for a long time. They could they could push that motherfucker into your 30s, your 40s, but it, you don't see a lot of motherfuckers active on the corner in their 50s. You know what I'm saying? There is an expiration date. And hip-hop keeps trying to push that expiration date. And that expiration date was 30. When I was 30, there was like old-ass rapper, 30. You know, that was, I turned 30 in 1996. In 1996, 
30 was like, damn, bro, you fucking don't keep rapping in your 30s. Like, it was was a, never a thing. And you had a lot of your biggest career moments after that. I've been on that wave ever since. And then it, at, when I hit 40, and it was like, you know, the Jay-Z's and all them was approaching that time, and it was supposed to be like, well, 40 ain't going to happen. And a whole lot of 40 happened. A whole lot of 40-year-old rapping happened. And, you know, I'm here now, and I'm... I'm really close. What's, what's, I'm, like, I'm like 55 in fucking like a couple months, a few months, mm. April. 50 fucking five. And I'm like, since I was 15, I started rapping when I was 14. I started making money off rap when I was 15. So in a couple of months, it'll be a solid 40 years of rap, being a rapper, paying me. And never having to go get a job nowhere, never just shit it out. All the money came from being a rapper. Mm. And I'm not really in my career right now trying to get a hit record I'm not trying to do any specific thing except extend this story of I got my biggest hit record when I was 40 I had already had like 10 fucking 15 gold and platinum albums and been on another fucking dozens of other people's gold and platinum albums when I made my biggest record Mm. I was at a point where they're like oh that career is over they had already ended my career supposedly two times before and I'm like nah I'm still going and now it's like in the in the in the in the legacy legacy rapper status a legacy artist is a person who an artist who reaches a certain level of I never have to have a record on the radio in rotation I don't have to release an album all year round people are going to call me and ask me to do things that are going to make me a lot of fucking money because of my legacy mm-hmm. so Aretha Franklin ain't got to go get no day job. She ain't made a record in 20 fucking years, but her phone f- fucking keeps ringing and she keeps getting that bag because she's a legacy artist. Mm. And there are tons of them out there. So when you reach that status in hip-hop, it's an infancy thing for like hip-hop. It's not a lot of... Uh, if it was a, a group of legacy rappers hanging out together, it's not a lot of rappers who just can live on your legacy. Mm. We got dozens, but it's not a lot. Dozens, but it's not a lot. And I'm hoping that the bigger this thing grows, that artists strive for that status. Mm. And that means that, you know, you make a statement like, man, I hit 25, I ain't rapping no more. I'm going to be up out of this shit and be rich. And That's cool. If you can do that shit, that's cool. But in the, in the world of a person who loves making music, I didn't get in music to get pussy. I didn't get in music to get rich. I was mm. making music when I wasn't fucking a lot of bitches and when I wasn't getting a lot of money. I was making music. I didn't know how to do it, and I love doing it. So that's the reason why I continue to do it. And if I could just make that be a thing or help make that be a thing, that rap is like the fucking blues. It's like fucking jazz. I could be 77 motherfucking years old blowing my saxophone. I mean, it's just it's the same thing. It's a craft. It's not purely a way to get rich and there's so many people who can't separate the idea of being a rapper and someone just having this harebrained scheme to make a lot of money like to a lot of people these have to be the same thing yeah because uh imagine this if you're a rapper and you found a way in your craft to make fifty thousand seventy five thousand a hundred thousand a year can't really get past that but god damn it the wife the kids the home everything's stable mm. and you're doing it off hip-hop there's so many people it's, it's rappers who have international followings who aren't as popular in the States. They get on that fucking plane and go to fucking France and Japan and 
Amsterdam and everywhere and get that bag and come back home. And they live really good lives off hip hop. So uh, the judging shit, man, it's just the judging shit. You know, you telling me I'm an OG. I'm telling you, you young and whack. It's just judging. It's too judgmental. And you, you're not understanding that this fucking industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. It's so much room in there to not be a rapper mm. and make a fucking life off hip hop. You could be a producer. You could be a fucking manager. You could be the guy at the label. You could be a middleman. All you do all day is middleman deals with rappers and other people and fucking live a life. Like, hip-hop is big. Mm. You can middleman uh, uh, fucking merchandising deals and licensing deals, if you even know what the fuck that is, and just get money all day just because you know rappers. I, I know a little guy right now who all he does is get in the way of rappers in their world and make the shit comfortable and better than what they would do and make it the video shoot or the fucking flight or whatever just make it better and he's fucking balling because mm. don't we don't really feel like doing that shit definitely yeah there's so many different paths that you can potentially take but you know in like one example that kind of comes to mind is when i think about juicy j having so much involvement with meg the stallion's career and doing beats for her and being all up in her shit and everything and i'm like that's that's amazing that he's at this stage in his career and he can really like he actually put out an amazing album a couple months ago too but he can really like aid and abet her in her career in a very genuine way that like adds some of the credentials that that he has from all the years that he was making music uh -huh. and you know there, there, there are so many different ways that you can sort of add value to someone else's situation yeah you know i i commend the juicy jays fat joes the jay-z's the people who you know puff daddy I'm naming OG hip-hop artists, you know, fucking Busted Rhyme, Snoop Dogg, mm. E-40, motherfuckers who just, no matter what the age is, you keep eating off this hip-hop and you keep feeding other people, giving other people opportunities, helping out, being a part of it. You are the fucking culture. So I just, I don't think that us as the older generation, and I respect my OGs in hip-hop before me to the fullest, I don't think that we are the keepers of the gatekeepers. I just don't see us that way. I just see it as one big fucking fraternity, and I want the little homies to take that route I took. I want you to have so much fucking fun in your 20s that it's just, you can't, you look back on your own life and can't believe that you got to do that. I want you to get so much fucking motherfucking money off this shit that when you think about the times when you did it for free and it was a struggle, you look back and go, God damn, look at what I got. And I, I want you to experience the shit that we experienced and fucking, you know. However you want to do it, do it your way. Hip-hop gives you that opportunity to do it your way. Uh, if you want to be a star for one or two years and branch that shit off into some, industry, some other industry through your profits, do that shit. Mm. Like, this is what this is, man. But if you want to fucking, like, uh, do this Fat Joe E-40 fucking shit and fucking command your rap career until you in your fucking 50s, until your fucking kids are your production manager and your business partner and your fucking grandkids are fans at your show. Like, I got homies right now with fucking 12-year-old middle school grandkids. Mm. They fuck with this shit. So, you know, we that's how long we've been doing it. Definitely. Yeah. When you think about, you know, I think about somebody like 50 who was like my favorite rapper, like pretty much when I was like 16 to like 20, 21. He's different than you, I think, because... He's been super successful with things after rap, but it seems like once he realized that rap wasn't really going to be the thing that was making him a shitload of money, he sort of fell back on making it. You, you strike me as somebody who's like really deeply in love with making music to the point where that's just, you're not going to lose interest in that. 
Don't let a guy like 50 Cent fool you with his with his hip hop status. Mm. 50 Cent, because I've watched a lot of shit and pay attention to a lot of shit. That's my homie. 50 Cent appears to be Mr. TV producer who is all into the next production. Man, 50 Cent is the quickest motherfucker out there to jump on a hot record, do the remix, or be on a record with somebody like Pop Smoke. You know what I'm saying? Mm, Like 50 Cent has never not been in rotation on the radio some kind of way. He's been on that wave. He loves hip-hop is the point I'm making. He loves it, and as much fucking uh, money you get wherever in the world, you you can't quit hip-hop. Hip-hop is... That's that fucking ex-girlfriend that you're going to fuck forever, man. You're gonna, you you can't, you can't stop doing it, man. So name me somebody who quit hip-hop. Dr. Dre can't quit. He's still... Dr. Dre has been teasing us with an album called Detox since the early 2000s, since the... Two, but then he kind of, like, stopped teasing us. Like, and then he just recently said, I'm back on Detox. Oh, really? Wow. So That's crazy. Even if he ain't fucking giving us no music... And then didn't a Dr. Dre song leak recently called Greedy Bitch or some shit? Really? Yeah, and then like the homeboy leaked it. I can imagine what it might be about. But I'm saying that when you say the homeboy leaked it, you gotta do the quotation right, marks. Yeah, yeah. The homeboy leaked it. I didn't That's know. hilarious. I, I gotta look into that. I didn't even know that. But I'm just saying the point I'm making is Dr. Dre, after a billion fucking dollars, is still leaking hip hop records and still fucking talking about another album. Like at what point do you not make another album? Billion dollars? I'm out. Me, if I was Dr. Dre, I'd release so much. I I wouldn't even fucking release albums. I would start a platform, and I would put all my unreleased songs on that platform and just give it to you because you know mm. you join a member, you pay whatever the fuck you know, get the money. But I would just be like, here, this is the songs that I I got made a billion dollars, and <laughs> this is what I did. Right before that. <laughs> Dre's super interesting because it feels like at a certain point he became such a perfectionist that he almost... I would let that go because he's, right. he's at the status now where it's, uh, where they call it fuck you money. Yeah. So if, if Dr. Dre came out right now and tripped down a bunch of stairs and was hella goofy, he could get up and go, fuck you. <laughs> Facts. Do you feel like you got fuck you money or, or how close are you to that? I got fuck you attitude. <laughs> so that's just as valuable. You know what I'm saying? I didn't hit no billion dollar lick, but at the same time... Anything you bring my way, I can I can pretty much say fuck you if it's if mm. if I'm feeling like it ain't beneficial for me, you know. Definitely, I'm so, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not a susceptible to a, like like criticism and shit. That shit don't hurt my feelings. I feel it, and I love it if it's true, man. I love true criticism, and I love funny shit. Mm. If it shit ain't funny, if it ain't true, and it's just like a fucking dickhead, dumbass, stupid comment, I'm like, I just know who you are. You like, I'm like. You're fucking weenie. Yeah. No, it's easy. At a certain point, I think you just got to be able to let it roll off your shoulders. Um, okay, so beside, oh, in terms of new music, in terms of new stuff, what what does Too Short have coming up throughout the rest of the year? What are you excited about right now? Uh, I'm one-dimensional right now, and it's it's Mount Westmore. That's the uh, group with uh, myself, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, and E-40. Um, it's, uh, the group is not called Mount Westmore. The project is called Mount Westmore. And... You will. I don't have to tell you a lot of detail. I just tell you that the shit is dope as fuck. It's not a album. It's a business venture. Wow. That is based on future touring, all of us collectively, uh, multiple business deals of licensing uh, kind of aspects, and and you know business ventures together could be anywhere from 
restaurants to to whatever the fuck. It's just it's just we're we're gonna be a business in the name of the legacy of all four of us. Does it stem from the desire to basically like just have some some leverage and have some control because you guys all have so much to offer in terms of your identity, your music, your likeness. Like, I think we like got working of, together, you could do more. We got a lot of free time during the quarantine, and mm. you just keep thinking and thinking, what can I do? And the shit came up. It came it came my way from Ice Cube and E40, and me and Snoop had already been talking about doing some shit together. It was like, fuck it, let's just do all of us do it. And it's uh, it's definitely from an economic standpoint where logically the things that we've been doing individually how we come together on a show but you got to book us individually would be a different number if you had to book us as a group right you know what i mean and then you get all four of us individually and the group aspect of it so all this all the things that you could do together added to the fact that everything we already got going on individually that this is not going to get in the way at all so um it's not one album it's a business deal and the music is going to come out in a rollout format to where we'll probably pre-announce, here's volume one. And then in a timely matter, you'll get volume two, three, four. And the beautiful part is this is not a dream. This has already been recorded. Wow. The quarantine uh, gave us the time to like really like set everything up. Uh, all we're going to do from this point is just have fun shooting a bunch of visuals and just rolling out the visual version of it and the release dates of it and just, just give it to you like that. And, you know, let's get past this quarantine shit, get out and do some shows and and show you what hip-hop looks like past the expiration date. That's really interesting, though. Like, you guys all joining together like that, would the idea be in your perfect world is the idea, like, drop a project and then do a big-ass tour around it to promote it and stuff? Sort of loop all that together? Uh, see, there we go again. We legacy artists. We don't need a fucking project to tour. We don't need shit. The object is just to fucking do business. Mm. We're not, this is not about a record company format of, hey, put the album out, do this. Do. No, we are literally uh, not even looking for a record deal. Right. We give two fucks about a record no, deal. No, definitely don't need that. We, I mean, we might do a record deal, but we don't need it. Like, right. we don't get, we're not asking labels for anything. We, everything is being done without the assistance of any label. So instead of instead of doing a deal with a label and working out recording budgets and marketing funds and shit, we're just doing a like a deal with a certain company. And we do a deal with a company for 300,000, 500,000 and that goes into the fund of the company and we do what we do as a business as a as a LLC. And everything that comes into the LLC and business ventures funds the shit, of course, we're gonna get distribution from somewhere, but literally, we never need a traditional record company deal because we're joint forces as a company and the company has money. So, just trying to like give like rappers a different outlook on how you could do this because we're individuals. Snoop Dogg is not gonna jeopardize anything, Snoop Dogg, any bag he's getting for this group. Mm. Neither is Ice Cube, movie, Snoop Dogg, all his endorsements. E40, all his business ventures, none of that shit comes into play. As a unit, we become a whole new company, and that company is its own thing. That's super inspiring, and I feel like there's a lot of other groups of rappers that could definitely benefit from doing something similar. Like all the artists that you just named, if you guys are from a similar generation. If you got a 10-year run in, and then you guys always find yourself on the same show, mm. like in, in the career slowing down, you know what I'm saying? The bag is what it is. It's cool, but it's just like, imagine if you and the guys who 
like-minded, have, have this similar fans, got together and said, let's tell the international promoters and the local promoters and the motherfucking people that, you know, you, like you appeal to a lot of platforms in a certain way. You have a, Your fans are not my fans. Hmm. Like there's a whole world that you can fucking pimp the fuck out past the end of your career and expand this hip-hop shit. Damn. That's motivational. Extended. I like that. That's actually super exciting. Has that been online? Is this like already written about and I missed no, it? You got no. it. Damn. No, the, the project is out being talked about. Right. The PR, uh, we hired a couple of PR firms and the campaign starts really soon. It hasn't started yet. We're in the grassroots stages, but the fact that the visuals and the music is already done when we actually go here, it's never going to stop. Damn. That's very inspirational. I like that. Mm-hmm. Too short. Always coming with some knowledge. Yes, sir. I'm a, I'm a hip hop, a hip hop a legend, a beast, <laughs> a business beast. Too short. No jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, subscribe. No jumper.com if you want to support. And uh, check out my man's shit on streaming services. Bitch. Right now.